Hi, Rodney Jane here from Bob Jane T-Marts. Specialists in tyres and wheels for over 50 years. We stock what tradies need. Tyres, wheels or batteries, we've got you covered. Steel or alloy wheels, 15 inch plus. Big brands such as Monster, R08, CSA, Fuel, PDW and Dynamic. A massive range. Tyres, we love tyres. All-terrain, mud-terrain, 4x4 and SUV tyres. We stock all the top brands such as Bridgestone, BF Goodrich, Falcon, Goodyear, Michelin and Yokohama. Make your 4x4 ute or van look awesome. Cracking deals at Bob Jane T-Marts. We won't be beaten on price. We'll look after you. Test season apply. This is Parked Up Plus, the place of pace for motor racing news thanks to Race Fuels. From supercars to club racing, Race Fuels keeps Australian motorsport moving, supplying premium products when and where racers need it. And fueling the latest news and views is Parked Up Plus. Coming up, confirmed DJR ownership change. Mustang Bathurst wildcard, on or off. Formula One engine rule change, Aussie official explains how it will happen. Plus, Scaife on Gen 3 cost blowout and Super Co-Driver on why he won't be at Bathurst. All this and more straight ahead on Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. Hi there, race fans. After months of speculation, a change of the ownership structure of Dick Johnson Racing is about to be confirmed. As we've predicted since first revealing rumours that DJR was up for sale some months ago, it's not a takeover or a buyout, but a strategic investment by a new co-owner. Parked Up Plus has learned that the buy-in will be announced on Thursday, just ahead of DJR's partner summit in Melbourne on Friday. That's a gathering of the team's sponsors, the first since COVID, to outline plans for the future of Shell V-Power Racing Team. We're reliably informed that DJR's new co-owner is Melbourne businessman and sports fan Brett Ralph, founder and boss of international freight operation Jet Couriers. Now, Ralph already owns a significant stake in the Melbourne Storm NRL Rugby League team, as well as interests in the Melbourne United NBL Basketball and Melbourne Aces ABL baseball squads. He is believed to be taking a minority ownership share of DJR. Since Roger Penske sold back his controlling interest, Dick Johnson and Ryan Story have co-owned DJR 50-50. Now, which of them is reducing his shareholding is unknown at this stage. Barring a last-minute hiccup, all will be revealed about the new ownership structure of DJR on Thursday. In the meantime, the team is due to confirm its driver lineup next year and beyond on Tuesday. As predicted, Will Davison has been re-signed for at least another year, while Anton Di Pasquale's existing multi-year deal has been extended. Speaking of DJR, albeit peripherally, Michael Anderson's proposed Bathurst 1000 wildcard entry is unofficially, but almost certainly, off. Anderson bought a Mustang from DJR to run in the great race and then Super 2 next year, but his plan to contest the Mount Panorama Classic has founded on multiple fronts. 
The Bathurst builder has been refused a super licence by Motorsport Australia despite a petition to supercars for a dispensation. That rules him out of driving in the 1000, but not necessarily his wildcard entry. However, multiple sources have confirmed to Parked Up Plus that it has been, or soon will be, officially rejected. Crucially, Anderson missed the deadline to confirm his driver lineup and support arrangements 12 weeks before the Bathurst 1000, which will be held from October 6 to 7. Now, that was mid last month, and we're informed that he failed to meet the closing date. Anderson's latest gambit was to offer World Power a drive, but like Simona Di Silvestro, the Team Penske IndyCar star declined. Supercars hasn't officially rejected his wildcard entry yet, but unless Anderson comes up with a pair of authorised drivers and proof of a serious effort, his home race dream for this year is over. Still on supercars and a notable absence from the Bathurst 1000 co-drivers lineup will be Los Angeles-based Frenchman Alex Premar. He co-drove Scott McLaughlin to victory in 2019 and was set to return with Tickford Racing in 2020. But COVID travel restrictions ruled him out for the past two years and despite talks with Triple Eight and DJR as well as Tickford, Premar told Parked Up Plus that coming back this year just wasn't viable. Obviously, yeah, for sure, the cost, yeah, it's, uh, it's just more um, cost issue and traveling, uh, doing the test and stuff like that. So obviously, yeah, I fully understand the, the position from team that, uh, yeah, he wanted to, to get like a, a driver from Australia uh, that was in our, their land uh, because it's a little bit easier for sure, yeah, to plan and scheduled, uh, you know, the, the seat fitting, the testing and, and all of that, uh, especially on if on one race. And then after that, yeah, I've been speaking again with Steam and uh, with Roland, I mean, with uh, Jamie and uh, also with uh, Ryan just to see if they do like a wild card and uh, yeah, maybe try to do something. But unfortunately, uh, yeah, nothing, uh, nothing came up. And uh, yeah. So obviously, um, with the COVID, yeah, I couldn't uh, defend my title. But uh, yeah, it's it's like this, you know, like uh, you can't you can't fight against the hood, uh, the hoods. Uh, but uh, it's like this, yeah. Uh, um, like I said again and again, uh, I want to make sure that if I come back, I'm in a good position yeah, to win the the race again. Uh, because, yeah, uh, to win that race has been like uh, an achievement for me and uh, even for the team when we did that with Scott, it was uh, a, such a good achievement yeah, for, the, for the whole team uh, with DJ Tim Penske uh, winning that, that year. Primar is keen to raise the Bathurst again, looking to a possible 12-hour 1,000 return in 2023. Yeah, obviously, I mean, I'm sure that uh, people know that I'm here, uh, that... Uh, I mean, honestly, I would really like to come back in battles, but if they're doing back also uh, Gold Coast uh, with the co-drivers and another race, you know, like when you do just Gold Coast, uh, just battles, one, ra- one race, you know, I mean, I know the cars, so you know how you drive the cars and stuff like that. And next year it's going to be like a different factor because the, the, the new Gen 3 will be different cars. So obviously, yeah, um, yeah need to have some practice on the car. I mean, I have good 
understanding uh, for sure when you get on the on the bigger teams here. Yeah. Uh, the behavior on those cars they are like more predictable and stuff like that. But yeah, for sure I would like yeah, to come back and race over there and uh, having fun yeah uh, with all the drivers and uh, for the sponsors and uh, for all the all the thing yeah it's uh, it's I really like it and uh, I will try even though like coming for the twelve hours it, yeah we we'll see you know when everything is lined up. When everything will line, yeah, for sure, I will try to, to come back. Why not? The volleyball frog was Scott McLaughlin's original teammate at GRM. And after having raced against Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg in the pre-F1 open-wheeler ranks, he isn't at all surprised Scotty Mack is an outside contender for the IndyCar title. That for me, uh, the level that he's performing... Obviously, in IndyCar and in Supercar, showed how fast, how strong, how mentally, how how smart he is uh, all the way for all the process. You know, from uh, just not being like a fast drivers, but being uh, good around the fans, around the sponsor, around the team, around you know, he's a team leader. And uh, by doing this, obviously, uh, for sure, what he does in uh, IndyCar this year, it's kind of amazing. Last year was tough, you know. Uh, first year in IndyCar, you have to learn everything. You have to learn the car, the engineers. You have to to learn the the tracks. You need to learn all your competitors. You know all the thing. You know like all the small things, but counts a lot. And uh, first year, it's a learning curve. The second year, yeah, you need to show that you can win, which he did. Do some pole position, and I'm I'm sure obviously yeah, he's gonna not give up uh, the last three races. That. He will be strong and hopefully he will finish on the top three on the, on the second year and next year he can win the championship. I mean, obviously, if he can win the championship this year, that will be an amazing goal for him. But, uh, you know, step by step. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I got him on the phone yeah, quite often. Uh, for me, I call him Bambino, you know, like it means kids, kids in Italian. But, yeah, he's doing amazing. I mean, I'm so, so proud of him and uh, so proud of... Uh, that I won with him, uh, batters and yeah, uh, yeah, what he does, it's amazing. Yeah, and honestly, um, there's not every drivers can do what he's gonna achieve. Yeah, in the next few years. Yeah. Plenty more to come after this short break. Race Fuels is Australia's leading supplier of racing fuel to national and state level motorsport, and its range of racing fuels includes the BP Supercars E85 which is available to grassroots races. For power and protection over pump fuel, Race Fuels imports the ELF Race 102, as used by Porsche Carrera Cup and the Touring Car Masters. More info on Race Fuels E85 and ELF Race 102 is available at racefuel.com.au. You're listening to Parked Up Plus. Welcome back. Supercars returns this weekend at Sandown with defending champion Shane Van Gisbergen more than a round in front on points. SVG dominated last year's round at the endangered Melbourne Metro circuit despite racing with a broken collarbone and other injuries. He's odds on to win his third Supercars title. So is it a Giz gift or is there a late championship challenge looming? V8 legend and Fox Sports commentator Mark Scaife tells Parked Up Plus that SVG supremacy should be celebrated. I, I think if you look into the crystal ball, it's a, a difficult scenario given the dominance that Shane has displayed. I mean, you know, we're watching 
one of the best operators we've ever seen at his best. You know, we, you know, we marvelled with the superstars of this sport through the course of history, whether it was a Moffat, a Brock, a Richards, a Lowndes, an Ambrose, whoever you like, a Wink Cup. You know, we're now marvelling with a Van Gisbergen. And, and in some ways, I, I think I'd like us to celebrate that more. I mean, I, I think probably Shane not really enjoying the media and sort of coming across um, as a person who's very guarded around his emotion and the thrill of of, of winning. I mean, I, I, you, you watch him. He is an absolute hardcore, hardcore motor racer. His, his racing IQ is extraordinary. He is, is absolutely, if you're comparing to when he won his first championship, <clears throat> he's a far more well-rounded professional racing driver. And he, and, he, and he beats them, he intimidates them. His gamesmanship is, is, is incredible. Um, his rapport with the engineer and the way he gets the best from the car week in, week out is fantastic. So you, <clears throat> you have to celebrate when someone is driving as well and operating as well as that. So that, that's the first part. So it's going to be very hard. So second part of my answer is because once we get into our Enduros, the points... Are, are so large in terms of quantum, you know, if you have a bad day at Bathurst, you dump 300 points. If you have a bad day at the Gold Coast, you can crash on, on a Friday at the Gold Coast and you're out for the whole weekend. You know, we, we've, we've, we've seen that with with the massive, massive shunt for Scott McLaughlin. So you, you don't have to do very much wrong to dump a bucket load of points. And I think for everybody in the field, that's that's the piece of the puzzle. That's the end of the of the light at the end of the tunnel for them. They need to make sure that you know, they're still positive going into the back end of this series because there's, there's, you know, I mean, I would love it to land at Adelaide still in play. Um, that would be that would be a, a, a miracle for for the industry. Sandown this weekend will also be a milestone for Gen Three. The Camaro and Mustang prototypes will appear in their latest updated guises as the first partial chassis is delivered to Brad Jones Racing. Now, Gen 3 is well over budget, even accounting for the recent rise in inflation, and will cost way more than planned. We're informed that the new engines will be up to $85,000 each, and complete cars will be more than $800,000 apiece before running costs. So going back to Mark Scaife, a director of series owner race and supercars itself, he tells Parked Up Plus that the extra cost will be worth it. Well, I come into this program feeling like I got a gift-wrapped hand grenade, Mark, and um, I have been pleasantly surprised by everybody's efforts. The homologation teams have, have been absolutely outstanding, both Ford and GM have been outstanding. Um, supercars people that have been involved in this so far have done a massive amount of work. Um, and, and yes, there was some things that were committed to prior to us taking over the business that, that probably were under, under a different ticket in terms of what the cost was going to be. And you know, by the time that we took the business over, so much of the, the plan uh, was in train and there were things straight away on. I mean, I listened 
very, very closely to the drivers. I, I, I took particular note in any of the commentary that they spoke of once they were in the car, especially things like ergonomics. I mean, it's it's fundamental that bigger drivers, whether it's a Shane Van Gisbergen or a Brody Kostecki, have got to fit in the car. Um, so there, there's been a lot of work around putting the sequential shift back in, putting the anti-roll bar adjusters back in, ensuring that the ergonomics were such that it didn't disadvantage you know, larger drivers, um, and, and, and what style of car we were looking for. You know, what, what are we actually looking for in terms of racing quality? And, you know, the, the platform and the um, architecture of Gen 3 is absolutely outstanding. I, 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 as soon as I saw cars, and Roland Dane actually said it to me, and I've, I've subsequently thought about it a lot and have spoken to Jim about it, the, the Camaro, for instance, just use the Camaro, but I'm not being <laughs> a GM or Ford biased. Use the Camaro. It's probably the most market-relevant race car they've got on the planet. So when you think about what we actually need to do in terms of market relevance and what we've got in terms of gr- great nameplates, I mean, Mustang and Camaro, clearly, not only do they have the, the heritage and nostalgia of early days of touring car racing in this country, but they're, they're world-renowned brands. So for me, the fundamental of us being able to, to generate a really fantastic racing series as a, as a next evolution of our cars locally um, is really exciting. It's estimated that the development of Gen 3 Camaro and Mustang will cost supercars $13 million. Now, while Scaife concedes that overruns have blown out the budget, he's convinced of the long-term savings and appeal of the new look Mustang and Camaro, claiming that they will secure Supercar's future. I'm concerned about the initial bill of materials and the, the initial the initial upfront costs. I'm, I'm also very encouraged by the different mantra that this car and this series basically has from the start of next year, Mark, because the engine costs are going to be more than a quarter of, of what we're currently spending. They are, they, are, they are going to be such a cost saving in terms of the way that we go racing that I'm encouraged the, what the running cost of the car will be. So yes, the upfront cost is more than what was originally sold and I had nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. So, so not one single word from me on that. I, I was all, I was always a, a, a little dubious around whether those costs could actually be rolled out, but but inevitably the, the number will be higher than what was originally sold back into the industry. But the upfront cost is is going to be amortised essentially across a full year of running. So you have to consider what the business case is. So yes, the upfront cost is more. You've then got a corresponding exit cost of the current cars. So your delta, the difference between what you've just sold that car for and the new car that you've just bought, that's the piece that's really important. And and I'm hearing some very big numbers on the final Commodore sale numbers. And then second to that is once you've then changed your infrastructure and what I call the racing kit, once you've changed your infrastructure and you've got 
new cars with the new spare parts and componentry required to race the cars next year, that cost per kilometre will be significantly reduced. More after this short break. Hey there, race fans. We think Parked Up is great, but if you need a change of pace and tone, tune into the Girls on the Grid podcast with Priya Richards and Tanea McLeod. It's all motorsport, but spoken from a female point of view. Girls on the Grid, every Monday on all your favourite podcast platforms. You're listening to Parked Up Plus. And we're on the home straight. The new Formula One engine regulations from 2026 will be approved by early Wednesday morning, Australian East Coast time. The FIA's World Motorsport Council will vote on the new power unit rules set to attract new entries from Porsche and Audi. Australia has a say in this decision, expected to be rubber-stamped, because our FIA representative Gary Connolly is one of the 25 members of the World Motorsport Council. Connolly explained the decision-making process for F1's next-gen power plants. So there's really been um, three committees that have been advising the Formula One Commission. The Formula One Commission then votes, and then the proposals have come to us at the World Council. Uh, we had an information session, which lasted uh, just over an hour last Friday evening, our time. And then we do um, an email vote, which has to be in by uh, 5 p.m. European time tomorrow, Tuesday. Well, it's a big decision um, on many levels, but particularly because, well, we understand that the outcome of these new regs will determine whether Porsche and Audi enter Formula One in 2026. So pretty big decision. Very big decision, and there has been um, ongoing discussions between uh, FIA, Formula One management, and the current manufacturers, that's Mercedes, Ferrari, and Alpine, um, since January 2021, and they've been joined by what we call the newcomers, uh, namely Porsche and Audi from VW Group and Red Bull. So really, there's been about 18 months of discussion going on. And our understanding is that what we are voting on has been agreed to by both the um, existing PU manufacturers and the newcomers. So it would be, I'd be reasonably confident that if we pass these current proposals, uh, then we will see um, those newcomers enter the field. And in broad terms, we're talking about the same basic hybrid power units with some simplification, aren't we? We are. We're still talking about, uh, you know, 1.6 litre engine. Um, the OEMs have really made it very clear that um, their future investments are going to focus on electrification. Um, so, therefore, they want the uh, priority uh, for the internal combustion engine part of the new power unit to be to make it simple and to reduce costs and encourage newcomers while still you know remaining road relevant uh, what has happened is that has resulted in the removal of the MGUH you might remember that the current uh, power units have got two energy recovery systems one uh, is the MGUH which is the recovery of the exhaust energy and the other is the MGUK uh, which is pretty standard on most uh, hybrid cars so the new power unit will only have the MGUK, but it will be significantly 
increased in power up to, I think it's uh, 350 kilowatts, which is uh, quite significant. And the really great thing is that the cars will be running on 100% um, sustainable fuel. And that means fuel that is not coming from a food source or from another source that could uh, be beneficial for mankind. It's a genuine, sustainable, uh, long-term sustainable fuel. And uh, the horsepower of the, or the efficiency of the internal combustion engine uh, is also going to be significantly increased. So all around, it's a, it's a good outcome, uh, you know, for the environment and for the message of sustainability. Gary Connolly was the founder of Rally Australia in Perth more than 30 years ago and has been Australia's delegate to the FIA for more than two decades. He's also chairman of the F1 Stewards Panel. Okay, it was a relatively quiet weekend in racing around the world with the Formula E finale and NASCAR at Richmond, the overseas highlights. Locally, there was state racing in Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland. Here's Grant Rowley with his roundup of all the action, presented by our partner, Bob Jane Teamer. A relatively quiet weekend on the racing front, but still plenty to unbox in the world of racing. In Formula E, Kiwi Mitch Evans and Eduardo Mortara split the wins in Seoul, South Korea for the final event of the season. Evans won from Oliver Rowland and Lucas Degrassi in the first race, as Mortara defeated Stoffel Van Dorn and Jake Dennis in the season-ending encounter. Mercedes driver Van Dorn won the title by 37 points from Evans, with Mortara third. Richmond hosted its second NASCAR Cup event of the year as Kevin Hardwick held off Christopher Bell to take the victory. Series leader Chase Elliott was fifth. Locally, there was a distinctive supercars flavour at Queensland Raceway, with many taking the opportunity to contest the XL Enduro. Triple Eight Race Engineering Super 2 driver and wildcard Declan Fraser took victory, partnering with car owner Brady Owen. Fraser's Super 2 rival Nash Morris was second alongside Connor Roberts and grandson of multiple touring car champion Ian Pete Gagan Max was third. More than 200 entries raced at Sandown as part of round four of the Victorian State Circuit Racing Championships. Edison Beswick took victory in Formula Ford, Hugo Simpson in Circuit Excels and Jared Tonks in Improved Production were among the winners from the weekend. Sandown again prepares for racing as the Repco Supercars Championship enters the final five events on the calendar. Acting as support for this weekend's event will be Dunlop Super 2 and 3, Porsche Carrera Cup Australia, Toyota Gazoo Racing and the Aussie Racing Cars. Now while racing is what we talk about here, a quick congratulations to our very own presenter Mark Fogarty, who was honoured as Journalist of the Year in the delayed 2021 Motorsport Australia National Awards. Still going strong after 50 years in journalism, Fogues won the top media award for his authoritative and diverse coverage of major motor racing. It's the legendary scribe's second accolade for his work in 2021, adding to his trophy for best feature story in the Supercars Media Awards. Congrats, Fogues. So that's all from Home and Abroad for now. I'm Grant Rowley reporting for Parked Up Plus. Thanks, Grant, and very kind of you to acknowledge my award. Finally, we heard earlier from Australia's FIA representative Gary Connolly 
about the next-gen F1 engine vote. We also asked him if the FIA would get involved in the Formula One contract dispute between Aussie aspirant Oscar Piastri and the Alpine and McLaren teams. It shouldn't. There's the Contract Recognition Board, which comprises four independent lawyers, one from England, one from France, one from Italy, one from Germany, and they will hear it if both of them are deemed to be F1 contracts. Now, there is some speculation, and I have no knowledge one way or the other on this. There's speculation that maybe both contracts are not, or at least one is not um, under the purview of the contract recognition board, but I think that in the event that there is ultimately uh, an unresolved dispute, um, the FIA could get involved, although it could go uh, could go to the courts as well. Hopefully it won't. Hopefully the contract recognition board will be able to sort it out. We'll all wait to see how that imbroglio ends. That's it for now. Back this time next week with the latest news and views on what's happening in motorsport. In the meantime, tune in to Parked Up Plus with Grant Rowley and a special guest on Thursday. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening. You've just listened to another Network R production. 